welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Aaliyah, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. I'm wondering if there are any invitations to act that you have been acting upon lately from any of the past talks we've discussed. So one of the very first uh, talks that we covered was um, Elder Whiting's about developing Christ-like attributes. And around the same time in one of my religion classes, we had an assignment to do a long-term project where we picked an attribute and and worked on it. So I've been doing that for a long time. And um, it's been really interesting to to see. The one I've been doing is humility. Um, I've talked about it a couple other times in the podcast, but it's Mm -hmm. been really interesting to see how like intentionally trying to do something (laughs) <laughs> will help you do that thing better <laughs> which <laughs> seems like a duh moment but <laughs> um you know working on it consistently for weeks it's been cool to to see how i've been able to change and see the blessings that have come from that specific attribute interesting have you i'd be interested to know since you've been focused on humility have you gone back to the preach my gospel um, Christ-like attributes assessment and redone that? No, I have not. I probably will at the end of the semester. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to hear about that when you come home from college. Mm -hmm. Well, Rivka, how are you today? I'm doing great. You know, since you've talked about blue skies recently, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you've ever thought about moving to like the Southern part of the country or anything like that. I don't know. I... I haven't thought about moving to the southern part of the country, but I think about traveling a lot once that becomes easy again. Indeed. Easier. Yes. I I think we're all hoping for that to become easier um, at some mm-hmm. point soon. So, well, uh, have you been working on any of the invitations to act? This last little while, I've really been working on the invitation from President Bender, which is not from one of these talks, um, to prepare for the upcoming general conference. Mm. So, um, you know, in his interview, he gave a few different ways of doing that, um, coming ready to, with an open heart to hear and, and act on things you hear and to go with questions prepared and expect answers. And so I've been... In fact, I had a discussion with a friend of mine about how we're kind of both doing it different ways right now because of where we're at in our lives and the things that we need going into this general conference. Okay. Is there any of those questions that you would feel comfortable sharing to the eternal internet that can never be deleted? (laughs) It can never be deleted. Questions that I have going into general conference. Yeah. Um. Sure. (laughs) For one of the, one of the big things is, I don't know that this is necessarily something I thought, this is probably a question that'll be answered in general conference because I don't think it will. But, um, we, you know, I've, I homeschool my kids and we've just run into some, um, personal things for them. Like as you do challenges that they're having with education or moving forward. And because I'm, I'm their main mentor. I have some, I'm hoping going in that I will be able to receive some inspiration on 
I don't even know how to describe it really. It's not so much techniques, but just maybe a better understanding of each of my children so that I can mm. help them to navigate um, navigate this next year as they're pursuing their education. But that, right. that I will be given the gift to see them, maybe see them more deeply, as Sister Craig said, so that I can be a better mentor. That sounds fantastic. And if you opened up a private school where you taught regular education and religious education, I would send my kids to your school. Oh, that's really sweet. You might be disappointed, but I appreciate the confidence. (laughs) I'm sure you would do a wonderful job and I'm sure you're doing a great job with your kids. So, well, um, for my own invitation to act, I'm going to cheat a little bit and I apologize, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so I want to read this quote from Elder Bednar. He said, there have been instances where I was seated on the stand in general conference, knowing I am the next speaker or was two or three speakers away from my designated time slot, he said. And as I listened to the connected themes and noted the continuity that developed across the various messages, I thought as I arose and walked to the pulpit, I stand all amazed. If we had planned, organized, and orchestrated the messages, it could not have been done nearly as well as it was done by the power of the Holy Ghost. So that's not exactly an invitation. He's sharing his experience, but in some ways it is an invitation for us to look for those same themes. And I talked about it in the last podcast, but wow, studying all these talks with such intensity has opened up this incredible tapestry-like view to me of the themes coming through General Conference and really the thoughts that the Lord wanted me to hear from speaker after speaker after speaker. Um, So I guess I'm going to say that I responded to an invitation that I didn't even know was issued to me. Um, And then I'm going to extend that same invitation to everyone listening to really look for those themes as you listen to General Conference um, over the coming days. Look for those themes that really resonate through each talk and that really apply to your life because it has been really a tremendous, um, incredible experience for me to really dive so deep into general conference uh, for this year. So with that, we're going to talk about the last talk that we are going to discuss before the April 2021 general conference, and that's Embrace the Future with Faith by President Russell M. Nelson, President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I believe that this was in the uh, session for the sisters. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So I tend to having not seen them the first time that they were given, I, for some reason, I tend to not, you know, get as much from those talks as I sort of listen to them after the fact, or maybe I'm listening on my podcast player at, you know, 2.0 speed or something. So it doesn't really dive in as much or, or delve into my, my heart as much. So I really, really enjoyed this talk. I, He just has such a way of offering clarity and clear principles and direction. So it felt very prophetic as I read it. Uh, So, Aaliyah, what what was your big take-home message from this? Well, I liked at the very end when he said, my dear sisters, and this applies to everyone, obviously, but he was addressing it to the sisters. Uh, Let us not just endure this current season. Let us embrace the future with faith. Turbulent times are opportunities for us to thrive spiritually. They are times when our influence can be much more penetrating than in calmer times. Uh, So in the talk, he gives a bunch of 
uh, different like specific things that we can do to embrace the future of faith. And I'm sure we'll talk about those, but I just like this general uh, kind of summary and the, f- the idea that turbulent times are opportunities for us. Um, and it's, you know, we can take advantage of them. And we kind of talked about this in the last um, episode as well, but uh, I just really liked it. <laughs> yeah. He always speaks with such hope and, and again, doctrinal hope, not like a vague, you know, desire for things to turn out right, but, mm-hmm. but a confidence in the Lord and an expectation that he will fulfill his promises. Mm-hmm. So Leah, do you have an example of a turbulent time where you have thrived spiritually, something that maybe looked like it was um, going to be a challenge or could have actually, you know, slowed your progress or, or hindered you in some way, but actually was a time that you thrived? Um, my first thought is just the pandemic, um, <laughs> which I think is probably the same for a lot of people. Um, but specifically, I could probably say um, within the pandemic, coming to college was I knew was going to be maybe different than what other people had experienced. Um, I wasn't necessarily super worried about it, I guess, because I, I don't know. I just felt like it would be okay. (laughs) Um, and things obviously are different, (laughs) very different from how other people have experienced uh, their college, their first year of college. But for me, it's been one of the most amazing like years of my life. I think I've grown a lot and I think there's a lot of things that happened because of the pandemic that have helped me, um, be better, I guess, like see things in different ways and take advantage of technology um, that I haven't before that no one really has before because we can now. Um, and I think it's been really helpful for me to just to, to grow. Like I've definitely thrived is a, is a great word. Like I've, I've thrived spiritually despite the, you know, the uncertainty of what I was getting myself into. (laughs) Yeah. And I want you to know that it's okay that this was the best year of your life, even though every other year of your life was spent in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ultimately that's what parenting is about, right? If the best times of their entire lives were when they were kids in your house, then that means their adult years weren't hopefully what, what you wanted them to be for their kids. But yeah. And I think one of the talks you've talked about a few times is Elder Uchtdorf's talk where he talks about the Lord will do something unimaginable in your life. I love that one. <laughs> and I, I feel like this year for you has been the really a fulfillment of that. I mean, when it started, we were worried, would they even let you go to BYU? Yeah. And looking back, this year has been unimaginable. It's It's been just an amazing experience for you. Mm-hmm. So continuing with that theme that just runs throughout this conference. So Rivka, was there a big takeaway as you read this talk? Uh, After he kind of gives a a very um, loving and encouraging introduction to the women and the young women of the church, he says, now I would love to know what you have learned this year. Have you grown closer to the Lord or do you feel further away from him and how have current events made you feel about the future? So I just took him at his word. And in the margins of my thing, I wrote a little list to President Nelson. 
of the things that I've learned <laughs> during the pandemic <laughs> of 2020. Um, and I was grateful that I stopped and did that because then as I read through the rest of the talk and he gives counsel and guidance on how to thrive in situations, I can look at that. I look at that list and see some of the things I have learned and some of the things that I think I could do even better on thriving. And he's given some great counsel on how to do that. So my takeaway from this was my list of things I've learned and things that I can continue to do even better as I seek to thrive in difficult situations. That's awesome. And I bet there was a lot of overlap between that list and your list of there was bread. Um, some things you some know, that you that, wrote down. That's right. Me and all my lists. <laughs> I remember that. Well, now I hadn't even thought about it, but now I'm turning over to that to see what is the list. Some of it is the same. Yeah. And some of it is just I, more I love, generalized lessons. <laughs> I love that you're old school and that sometimes in the background, I can hear you flipping pages or even like getting out tape to like tape things in there and that you're writing in the margins and it's fantastic. I'm so analog. It's true. I mean, I have a great appreciation (laughs) for digital stuff, but the, the, the touch is helpful for me in remembering things. So yeah. Tactile. So is there one thing off that list you could share with us? Well, yes. And this one is central to kind of everything I I wrote. I am more grateful than ever for a prophet of God and more determined than ever to follow his counsel, no matter what it is. Oh, that's one of my, my big things that has come from 2020. It has been a year that has pulled the rug out from underneath all of us. And there yes. are so many contract contrary ideas and, and, you know, some people think we do, we should do this. We should do that. Actually, the thing that I wrote right above it was that I learned sometimes the world as a whole has no idea what the right thing to do is. <laughs> and I feel like that was kind of 2020 where like everyone was scrambling. There were just so many ideas and strong opinions and angry opinions because of the hurt and the fear. And I have never felt more grateful um, in my 40 years that there is a prophet on the earth today. And that we can hear his counsel and that there are incredible promises that come if we will just hearken to what he says and follow his counsel. Absolutely. It's been so true. And I think we've all learned that with all the changes in the church that seem to happen so quickly and they happen just in time for the pandemic. Yeah. Excuse you know, what's interesting. I actually went back and looked that this conference coming up, this April one, will be the three-year mark since President Nelson was sustained as the prophet of the church. Really? It's only Whoa. been three years. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. There's so much that has happened in three years. Isn't that, that's just incredible to me. That is incredible. It feels like so much <laughs> has gone on. Like It seems like 10 years compressed into three. It's mm-hmm. incredible. 2020 felt like three years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. true. Yeah. Well, a lot of these talks, you know, talked about trials and everything. And then there were a number of other talks that were sort of the prequel talks. They so talked about preparing for those days. And he talked a lot about preparation in here. And, he, and he, one of my big takeaways was this paragraph. He says, first, he helped them create areas that where they would be safe, places of security, he called them. And he refers to Moroni. And the ways Moroni prepared his people. Second, he prepared the minds of the people to be faithful unto the Lord. And third, he never stopped preparing his people physically or spiritually. 
So let us consider these three principles. So um, Aliyah, with principle number one, create places of security. Anything that stuck out to you in that section? Yes. So um, <clears throat> he he mentioned a couple of different like examples of places. Uh, one of which is the temple, mm-hmm. um, and he says that there we are endowed with priesthood power through sacred priesthood covenants that we make. Um, and I think. I, I haven't been endowed in the temple yet, um, so I don't know the specifics of that, but I do know that it's that priesthood power that people have access to when they follow those covenants is something that a lot of people seek after, um, including like the early saints were, were promised um, endowment of power when they eventually went to, uh, I think it was Ohio, maybe, um, and built a temple. That was something they were like really looking forward to. And so the priesthood power that we get from going to a, a defensible place, a sanctuary, um, that being the temple, is one of the options. And then he also mentions um, our home. And he says, um, when your home becomes a personal, personal sanctuary of faith where the spirit resides, your home becomes the first line of defense. Um, I think that's really cool that our home becomes the first line of defense. Um, and he says... Oh, where was it? He said something about um, you can teach truth in these uh, places of security, even when it isn't uh, even. I, oh, here it is. It says even when it runs counter to prevailing opinions. I thought that was really cool um, that the home is a safe place for for truth, which is interesting in in our world. Um, and he also said in the end. Um, that a place of security is anywhere you can feel the presence of the Holy Ghost and be guided by him. So that can be a lot of different places. Um, anywhere that you can bring the spirit to is can be a safe or a secure place as well. Awesome. Thank you. How do you make a tiny dorm room that you share with your cousin a uh, first line of defense or a place of security? Um, that's a good question. I think, um, a lot of it is just that me, uh, both of us actually are just, uh, generally faithful people. Um, and we, we don't, we never really struggle with bringing in things to, you know, to our dorm that would take away from the spirit. Uh, we always, if we're doing anything, we're edifying the spirit rather than taking away from it. So just the kinds of things that we do um, aren't are, are going to help fortify us instead of, you know, tearing down any defenses that we might have. Right. Okay. So bringing things of the spirit, it doesn't matter the size of the space or the number of people in it, but mm-hmm. keeping the spirit with you. Yep. Awesome. He has, um, an invitation and promise associated with this first principle, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, creating a place of security. So at the end, he says, I invite you, my dear sisters, to create a home that is a place of security. So he's inviting, uh, again, in this context, the sisters, but really all of us. And um, as someone who is a priesthood holder in a home, I was reading through the church handbook the other day, and it said something about presiding means 
some, uh, I should have had the quote ready, but it was like having, you know, responsibility for the spiritual welfare of the people that you're presiding over. And I was like, Hey, no pressure. But um, (laughs) so it's also my responsibility to make my home a place of security. And he says, I renew my invitation for you to increase your understanding of priesthood power and of temple covenants and blessings. So that's his invitation to act, create a place of security, um, understand priesthood power and temple covenants and blessings. And the promise he associates with that is having places of security to which you can retreat will help you embrace the future with faith. So it'll give you that hope and back up um, a few paragraphs earlier. He says, as you continue to follow the counsel of those whom the Lord has authorized to guide you, you will feel greater safety. So he's really inviting people to, by having that safety, you can embrace that future with faith. So uh, Rivka, did you have anything to add about principle one here before we move on to principle two? Yeah, um, he makes it really clear, if you look at the overarching message here, that in the work of making our home or creating our home as a place of security, we are to use priesthood power to do it. Mm-hmm. That's not just a nice thing, but it's done It's done through priesthood power um, that is that is held by the women who keep their covenants. So I think his invitation to understand, um, to, to increase our understanding of priesthood power and of temple covenants and blessings isn't just because we should always be learning more about the gospel, but because we have to understand how we, um, as women, use the priesthood power given to us in the temple to create these homes and sanctuaries of safety. Okay. Thank you for that. I know that's been a renewed sort of emphasis um, or maybe renewed isn't the right word, but over the past few years, we've talked a lot about that and becoming more clarified. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Clarified. Thank you. Yeah. Is there, is there, do you have anything else to add to that to help clarify it for those who maybe are listening and associate priesthood with men only? Um, What does that mean to you and how does it um, represent itself in your life? Well, the the fullness of priesthood power is given to men and women jointly when they are sealed together in the temple. Um, So men hold priesthood offices, which is an organizational um, aspect of of the priesthood power, which is God's power. But the fullness of that priesthood um, is held by a man and a woman together and is intended to be used for just this. The family is the foundational unit of, of the eternities. So it would make sense that the fullness of the power be used to strengthen that foundational unit. Um, And, you know, for, because we have for so often associated men as the priesthood, because that was the vocabulary that was used. It's it's a bit of a, of a hump to try to overcome. Uh, You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a stumbling block, not because there was anything fundamentally wrong about that, but it, it robs us of the expansiveness of God's power and and viewing what he can do. Um, Right. So I think, I think this is why the call is coming um, for women to, to gain this understanding 
Um, and because there are still so many, I think, in the church who do not realize that women have priesthood power, that it is not being called to a priesthood office um, solely. That's one of, you know, there's priesthood power and there's priesthood authority and the power of God is priesthood power, all of it. There's only one power. There's not different types of, of powers and one of them is priesthood power. It's all God's power. Um, and there are different ways that he authorizes people to use that power. And sometimes that's done through ordination to priesthood office for men. And sometimes that's done in the temple through the endowment. And it is done through the sealing. Um, we're, we're given um, the authorization to use the power of procreation together in the temple. That's one of the uses of God's priesthood power that is authorized only when a man and woman are together. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot there to I'm still I'm still seeking it out and trying to learn and understand, but it is it is vital and I think President Nelson is making that really clear here. The in order to do any of this work, it is all done by priesthood power because it's all God's power. And he's speaking to the sisters here specifically with their work in the home. That has to be done through priesthood power. So we have to know. And I've had experiences that are the sort that you don't share, but I've had more than one where I have, I have been directed to use priesthood power in specific instances in my home um, for things. And so I, I can testify that this is not just women, like it's not a, it a way to try to appease women because they don't hold priesthood offices, but it is a very real thing. And that God works with his daughters through priesthood power um, in different ways, but in equal ways as he does with his sons. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was a beautiful discussion, a bit of a tangent, but I thought it was sort of something that um, maybe not everybody is as familiar with or has spent a lot of time learning about so far. And in fact, President Nelson, I think is emphasizing like, hey, I've I've invited you to learn about priesthood once. I'm inviting you again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just do like a super short recap of what you said. So there's the administrative or hierarchical priesthood in the church. And that's being ordained a priesthood office and um, sometimes being called to callings within, you know, that priesthood callings that hold keys and that's um, held by men. And then there's the familial priesthood or patriarchal priesthood, um, which is, I think the older name and, Sometimes that word patriarchal is now has negative connotations. Another subtle way that Satan has uh, attacked, you know, God's plan is by taking those things and turning them around. But anyways, that kind of priesthood is um, intended in the family, as you described Rivka, and the fullness of it is an endowed, sealed man and woman together. And it even says, I, I referenced the handbook recently, it even says, um, in the handbook, you know, if there is no male in the home, uh, you know, so if, if the if it's a single sister, then then she presides. If it's a single mom, she presides over her her children. So, anyways, um, it's just things that have been um, clarified that I thought were worth spending a little time on. Yeah, and it so, may be helpful too to think that when we talk about the power of God, we really are talking about the power that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother hold together. Right. They are unified in their works. He doesn't do anything without her and she doesn't do anything without him. So when we talk about the power of God, we mean both of them. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, <clears throat> we're going to run long today because <laughs> we took that tangent, but I think it was a good one. So thanks for sharing us, uh, sharing with us those thoughts. So let's go on to principle number two, um, prepare your mind to be faithful to God. Aliyah, anything stand out here to you? So this section was a lot of, it was basically a list of a bunch of things that we can do to um, increase our faith. So one of them is um, seeking learning, even by study. Uh, another thing we can do is keep his commandments and always remember him. Uh, and he says our, our faith increases every time we exercise our faith in him. Um, so that's a cool idea. I think that goes back to uh, ether, maybe. There's a scripture about like um, our, we receive a witness of our faith after our trial or something. I botched that, but <laughs> um, we, don't worry, I can cut it out later. <laughs> our our faith increases when we exercise it. So like um like muscles. <clears throat> and then he also says, um each time we By have the way, faith oh. I'm I'm not cutting it out, but I could if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he says each time we have the faith to be obedient to God's laws even when popular opinions belittle us, or each time we resist entertainment or ideologies that celebrate covenant breaking, we are exercising our faith, which in turn increases our faith. So that's uh, pretty cool. Um, when we resist entertainment or ideologies that celebrate covenant breaking. I thought that was an interesting way of wording that. Yeah. Um, he also says, few things build faith more than does regular immersion in the Book of Mormon. And I can definitely testify to that. Um, Last year, starting in May, I believe, beginning of May, I started reading the Book of Mormon every single day, and it was it was really awesome. I I don't know specifically why the Book of Mormon does that, but I I could definitely feel the the added power and and faith that came from just doing that alone. Um, and then what else does he say? He talks about Revelation a little bit. Um, and if we uh, have faith to ask, uh, we may receive revelation upon revelation. Uh, and he gives a promise here. He says, I promise that as you increase your capacity to receive revelation, the Lord will bless you with increased direction for your life and with boundless gifts of the spirit. So I thought it was a cool perspective that revelation is a gift because I haven't really thought of it that way. I don't know why, um, but I've just always, I don't know. I just haven't really thought of it as a gift to us. Um, but yeah, so those were a bunch of the things that he mentioned. Awesome. So that was a great recap of the whole section, really. <laughs> and it almost reads like one giant invitation and promise. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's talking about the fundamentals here again, you know, uh, seeking revelation, exercising faith, reading the Book of Mormon and talking about all the promises that come with that like building more faith, receiving revelation. And I love that he ended with boundless gifts of the spirit. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I, I don't hear talked about very often or, but, but powerful promises and opportunities for the Lord to bless your life come through the gifts of the spirit. Um, Rivka, I know you have tons of thoughts about section two, but for the sake of time, I'm going to go on to section three. Okay. So what stuck out to you about section three here? Well, never stop preparing. I love that he says the adversary never stops attacking, so we can never stop preparing. Yep. Um, that's such a good, such a good um, imagery, a reminder, because I, 
you know, sometimes I feel the influence of the adversary more often than I feel the influence of the spirit. It's mm-hmm. not always, but there are times, you know, and it, maybe it just feels that way because he is so much more blatant and in your right. face about things than the spirit is, but he is constantly, constantly there. Um, so our, our efforts have to be constant in, in staying strong against those fiery darts that he wields. Yeah. So constancy. And I think that goes a little bit back to him saying, you know, the Lord loves, loves effort, just continuing to prepare and press ahead. Or as Aaliyah referenced at the beginning, not just enduring, but embracing the future um, and being prepared to thrive spiritually. So yes, I think he, uh, he says later, my dear sisters, we have so much to look forward to. Even yeah. This. So. Awesome. Um, so Rivka, any closing thoughts on the talk as a whole? Um, I love, Oh, I love so many things in this talk. Um, maybe that he tells us, he quotes um, a scripture earlier. He says, the Lord told us how with simple but stunning reassurance, how to deal with both the somber prophecies and the glorious pronouncements. And he quotes the scripture, if you are prepared, ye shall not fear. And we've heard this one before in conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, to me, he mirrors that in t- at the end of the talk um, when he says, I promise that as we create places of security, prepare our minds to be faithful to God and never stop preparing, or if we're prepared, God will bless us. He will deliver us, yea, insomuch that he will speak peace to our souls and will grant unto us great faith and cause us that we can hope for our deliverance in him. And to me, that is what the not fearing means. It doesn't mean not being afraid ever, but it means not being so crippled by the type of fear that brings despair and hopelessness that we see so often around us. Beautiful. I, I love that ending thought and I love that promise. And that was the summary of all of general conference to me. Um, really that one paragraph summed up all of these talks. And I'm just so glad that we got to talk about all these conference talks together and spend that time just sort of basking in the spirit and making those connections. And it really has made my life better. So thank you to each of you for for being on this journey together with me. So that was our last talk from 2020, October, 2020 from here on out, we'll move on to April, 2021. I invite everybody who's listening to really um, dig into the next general conference and really make uh, a place for it in your life. And uh, Aliyah, to close out, can you share with people how they can get a hold of us? Yep. So we have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and our usernames are Words of the Prophets Podcast. And you can also email us at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. I will be, well, I'm going to attempt to hmm. uh, post a lot of things on stories or uh, maybe on Twitter and stuff um, during General Conference weekend. Um, and so hopefully we can, you know, get some more stuff out there. Um, this episode, I believe, will be coming out on Thursday, but then um, the next episode will be 
the Sunday of conference and we'll just do like a recap episode. But I'll, I will also be posting some uh, insights and thoughts and stuff over the course of the weekend. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we love when we hear from all of you. So if you have any thoughts or insights from conference, please um, comment or send us an email. We got a great comment the other day um, from someone who just shared something from their life and it really added to the talk. So please interact with us online. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you all for joining us. And until next time, keep the faith.